Welcome to the Functional Breeding Podcast. I'm Jessica Heckman, and I'm here interviewing folks about how to breed dogs for function and for health, behavioral and physical. This podcast is brought to you by the Functional Dog Collaborative, an organization founded to support the ethical breeding of healthy, behaviorally sound dogs. The FDC's goals include providing educational, social, and technical resources to breeders of both purebred and mixed breed dogs. You can find out more at functionalbreeding.org or at the Functional Breeding Facebook group, which we work hard to keep friendly and inclusive. I hope you have fun and learn something. Hi, friends. I've wanted to interview Lisa Wagner about her breeding program for a while now. I keep hearing about the great work she's doing to address health issues in her French Bulldogs, and I was so enthusiastic to get a chance to ask her for more details. Lisa is a CKC-registered breeder. Her breeding program is called Of Autumn, and you can most easily reach her on Facebook. I hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, Lisa. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Um, So I always start out by asking people to tell us about the dogs that they live with. Um, If you have a whole lot, you can provide a summary, or if you have a few, you could tell us about all of them. So so who do you live with? Um, So I have four Frenchies living with me. My oldest is Maple. She's my little grandma. She just turned 10 years. Um, She's also the foundation dog of my breeding program. And then I also live with Lucifer, who I often refer to as Lucy, which I know sometimes can be a bit confusing because Lucy is a girl name. But if I do say Lucy, I usually mean Lucifer. Um, He's my German import. And then I also live with Clover and Femico who are both uh, Lucifer's daughters. Nice. So all Frenchies. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure everybody knows that that means French Bulldogs, but we'll just say French Bulldogs once just to make sure everybody's on the all same right. page. So so what do you what do you like about Frenchies? Um, their personality, first and foremost. Um, everybody who's ever met a French Bulldog, I think they can relate to the fact that something about them is just hilarious. And I'm not just referring to their looks, but just their personalities. Very big, um, very outgoing, very goofy. And I also just like that they're they're moderate, like they have a moderate drive. So, yeah. you know, they have a nice off switch. If it's rainy or cold outside, they're totally fine with just chilling on the couch. But if you want to go do something, they're also game to do that. So they're just a very easy dog to live with. Yeah, coming uh, from someone who has border collies, I'll say that sounds very yeah, nice. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, so tell me about how they're. Tell me more about their personalities. I've heard people call them clowns, or maybe you just said that. Yes. Um, so what is? Tell me more about that. So uh, they they just do the most random things, um, and they just always make you laugh. I there's just so many things. Like one of my dogs, she's a big thief, so she always likes to steal just the most random items and then she will steal them and then she will walk over to you and show you that she has that and then she just proudly walks away with it um and they just have these like big smiles sometimes they just come at you and they just have those crazy faces um because they just want to play with you but they're just they're just hilarious it's better better that she shows it to you than that she eats it yes exactly (laughs) yeah no luckily enough i would uh neither one of mine would ever eat anything they just they just steal it they want you to see it and I always say, oh, my God, what do you have now? And then they're like, hee, 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 and just run away with it. <laughs> nice. Um, so then you decided to start breeding them. Um, so what what got you into breeding them? 
So breeding wasn't my plan at first. Um, when I did buy my first French Bulldog, she the the breeder said um, she would have show quality, and if I wanted to, I could you know maybe look into confirmation showing, which I think at this point I was looking into just for fun. So uh, which was one of the reasons I was paired with this dog, and then I had her for I think she was about two. And I realized she's definitely not fit for the confirmation ring, but I realized, you know, she's super healthy and she has all these healthy features and there's just not a lot of healthy French Bulldogs around. And that's what really got me started. Um, and I started researching and looking into the matter and yeah. So can we dive a little bit into what it was that, what way she was particularly healthy but not suited for the ring? Because I know that for a lot of people, one of the functions of the show ring is to identify healthy dogs. Yes. So she is a bit bigger than the breed standard. Mm. Um, not bigger in weight. So weight, like her weight would still be in the weight range for the show ring. Um, but she has a longer back. She has longer legs. And she has um, a much more pronounced muzzle. So the muzzle is longer. So all these three features are not um, are not awarded in the in the show ring. And how long ago was that that you got into breeding them? So that was I had my very first litter in January of 2018. So I bred mm -hmm. them in 2017, but I would say it was probably around 2015, 2016 that I started getting interested. Um, and I actually that was the first time too I bought a male from uh, Europe and I imported him and he was supposed to become my stud dog but he was the poster child of what is wrong with the breed he ended up with all the issues so obviously I never bred him that became clear I think at eight months when he was diagnosed with severe hip dysplasia he had absolutely no sockets it was horrible by the next summer he could barely breathe so he needed surgery there and um, he actually passed away at three years of age um, because wow. he had IVDD and unfortunately he uh, also developed myelomalacia. That is a lot. Yes. Um, so who did you eventually find as a stud for your first dog? So that was uh, the Lucifer. So I flew to Germany. Um, there was there was a group of breeders who started breeding um, more functional, less extreme French Bulldogs and they do all the health testing over there. I mean, they go as far as doing CT scans. So um, I went to a breeder who both the parents had CT scans and she could show me their airways and everything, which was amazing cool. to see and their spines as well, of course. And um, yeah, so I flew to Germany and picked up Lucifer and flew back with him. And uh, yeah, I, uh, he's my stud now, so. Excellent. Wow, so it sounds both like you... You went the distance, literally, to find the right dog for you. I'm impressed to hear about sort of regularly doing CTs. Those are expensive. Yes, um, and honestly, for them. I, um, I actually reached out. So unfortunately, where I live, we don't have a CT or MRI close by. Sure. Which um, there's a clinic coming now, which is super exciting. But the closest is uh, on PI. They have a CT scanner there. So I actually, a couple years ago, I emailed um, the clinic there and said, hey, you know, I have French Bulldogs. And the breeders in Germany are doing these CT scans and they're amazing. They, you know, give you so much information and I'd love to do that for my dogs. And the first reply was, we do not do CT scans on healthy animals. 
So I said, well, you know, I'd still like to do that because it just offers so much information that you don't otherwise get. And um, then they quoted me and I think it was close to $5,000 or $6,000 per CT scan. I was thinking, okay, I have at least four dogs I want to do. So, you know, you're looking at $20,000. That's an investment for sure. (laughs) Yeah, well, so maybe it's easier for... Maybe it's uh, less expensive in Germany. That would be something to It is, because I did into. ask yeah. the reader over there then, and she said, oh, we pay about 500 euros. And I'm like, oh, yes, oh, that's, that's less. Uh, this is something I could do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's less. Well, I hope you said there's there's like, going to be a CT coming soon. There Will that be less expensive? There is a clinic coming, yeah. So I'm definitely going to email them as well and, and see what they say. Um, because I'm almost hoping to maybe they see why I'm doing this, and mm. they might be able to give me a bit of a discount, but we'll see. Yeah, that would be lovely. So so you mentioned that there were health problems in the breed and that that was one of the reasons you wanted to breed your your girl. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the health problems that you've seen or that you know about? How much time do you have? Because unfortunately, <laughs> we can go as long as you want. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the breed is riddled with health issues. That's just unfortunately the fact. Um, the two main problems are, I would say, spinal problems as well as um, BOAS, which is brachycephalic airway syndrome. Um, So those two are really the main concerns that I have. I mean, they can also have hip dysplasia or laxating patella, um, but the spine and the breathing are the two aspects where I think it's affecting the breed a lot and more readers should be doing something to uh, make it better. So let's start with spinal issues. Those are on my mind because I had a, one of my dogs uh, was lame and a vet said that she thought maybe he had IVDD and uh-huh. I just, I was, it was really scary for me because uh, when I was in veterinary school, I saw a fair number of mostly dachshunds coming in with that and it's, it's expensive and it's really not fun for the dog. Um, so that's intervertebral uh, disc disease. Do you want to tell us? Well, I'm I'm happy to sort of fill in any technical details, but maybe you could tell us sort of what it ends up looking like in Frenchies, like so, sort of what the consequences are. Yep, absolutely. Um, in my understanding, there are um, different types of IVDD. So there is a, sure. a type of IVDD that any breed can get, um, including large breeds, and often that happens from trauma. Um, and then there is an IVDD caused by a genetic predisposition for the discs to become brittle. And unfortunately, that's what's happening in Frenchies, um, as well as dash hounds. It's, it's, it's the same type that affects both breeds. Um, so what happens is the discs between the vertebrae just become brittle over time. And um, any trauma, it can be as small as just jumping off the couch, or some people even say going up and down the stairs can trigger it. Um, or even what happened with Bismarck, he was simply playing in the yard. Um, mm. And then these brittle discs just rupture. So, and then all of a sudden there's a lot of pressure on the spinal cord and so on. It's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely horrible. Um, often they become paralyzed, which is terrible to uh, watch as an owner. All of a sudden your dog cannot walk anymore and they're just in an immense amount of pain. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a really, really unpleasant one and also super expensive for owners. So although it's fixable, it's, I know you know this, <laughs> telling those who don't know, um, it's diagnosed with an MRI, which is expensive to begin with. And then the surgery, 
I don't even know what the surgery is now. It was like eight or ten thousand yeah, dollars ten years that's, ago. That's about the ballpark. Um, I yeah. have I have a friend who I think she told me last time she paid about fifteen thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me that it's gone up in the last ten years. Um, and and you know, and not a fun surgery for the dog either. Slow recovery and well, back surgery. You know, spinal surgery is just not a not a fun thing to go through. Yeah. Um. All right, and then you also the other one that a lot of people associate with with Frenchies and other brachycephalic dogs. You talked a little bit about Boaz, so that's brachycephalic obstructive airway syndrome. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So with Boas, um, it's kind of affecting them in two ways. So we have the stenotic nares, which means their nostrils are very tight together. Sometimes they look more like slits than actual nose holes. Um, and then the other issue is that all the soft tissue is just crammed in their mouth and their nose. So um, there's just a lot of overcrowding happening. Uh, it can also be that the trachea is actually smaller than usual. So it's just affecting their whole breathing pattern and ability to breathe. So, and you mentioned that naturally your Frenchie really likes to be, um, she's moderate energy, but she's not a couch potato. She does like to go do stuff. Yes. Um, so how would, if she had developed Boaz, which it sounds like she is is clear of it, which is wonderful, um, what would, how would that have affected her life if she had developed it? So I did have a, a dog. Oh, with sure. Boaz yes. Before. Talk yes. about Bismarck. So, Perfect. Bismarck. Perfect. Exactly. So um, it started out just affecting him at night. He would be snoring very loudly. Sometimes he would wake himself up from a deep sleep. And, and he would almost gasp for air. And then it just also started as he grew older and his head matured and got bigger and bigger. Um, it really started to affect his everyday life. Um, we're talking, you know, outside, it's it's just a nice everyday spring day, nothing too hot at all. And he could be sitting on the deck, not doing anything, but just sitting there and he would be panting up a storm. Uh, it, would, it was absolutely heartbreaking. And you can hear when they pant, it's very raspy, so it's not a nice, clear pant. It's You can hear the dog is struggling just to get enough oxygen in to practically just survive. Yeah, also not a fun one for them. There's um, uh, what we were taught in vet school to put our fingers on either side of our nose and just sort of squeeze our nostrils mostly shut and see what that felt like and then imagine breathing like that for our whole lives. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, so those are the, the really main ones, but you mentioned some others, uh, hip dysplasia. Yep. Hip dysplasia, um, it also does affect them. It's not as bad as in bulldogs, um, uh, so English bulldogs, but mm -hmm. hip dysplasia is seen in Frenchies as well. And unfortunately, because they are a smaller breed, some people, including breeders, get away by saying, oh, it's a small breed. It doesn't affect them. But once again, if we look at Bismarck, I know mm -hmm. it for sure affected him. He he walked, but you could tell it became painful after a while. And that was even with rehab. You know, we did hydrotherapy, we did CBD, we did all kinds of medication. He was on pain meds. And even then, he could only walk so far before you could tell he was uncomfortable. And I know that breeders who really care about their dogs and about Frenchies are working hard to try to remedy this. And I... I also know that there are a lot of people producing, Frenchies are very popular right now, so I, I know that there are both breeders 
who are producing them perhaps without really a lot of concern for how they are. Um, but there's also for sure a lot of breeders who really do care and really are trying to produce healthy dogs. Um, but it sounds like with Bismarck, you definitely did do your research and try to go to someone who was trying to do a good job, that it's not just that these problems are in the population of dogs sort of coming out of pet stores. Would no, you agree with that? Unfortunately, um, his whole pedigree was supposed to be from, you know, long-term confirmation, champion line breeders. Um, so he was supposed to have good genetics uh, behind him. Yeah. Now, I did afterwards find out um, one of the x-rays, I think it was the sire, they were not forged, but they weren't really what she was telling me they were. So there is that aspect as well. But looking at his pedigree, he did come from good lines. So technically, he should have had good genes, but he didn't. Yeah, poor kid. And rough for you as well. Although it sounds like you got you got pretty lucky with Lucifer. Where did you end up? Well, you don't need to say the actual name of the breeder because I know that can be uncomfortable. But how did you end up finding Lucifer or, or figuring out? You said you went to, to Germany and that you felt that there were different processes there for yeah, there looking at their hips. Yeah, there was actually a breeding club um, mm. that was, I think it consisted of about 10 breeders in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. And these breeders were just all working pretty much exactly on the same thing I'm working on right now. So they just wanted to create a healthy, functional dog. And then uh, I just contacted a few breeders from that list. And then uh, I just kind of hit it off with his breeder. And yeah. So um, yeah, so great time to talk about your goals then. So you said you're trying to breed a healthy, functional dog. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your what your specifics are? So my main goal is to breed a functional dog that can live a normal canine life, which might sound so trivial, but for this breed, it really isn't. And, you know, it, it shouldn't be normalized that a dog needs surgery to breathe or, oh, you know, they, they're not meant to be walking two kilometers a day. Like what? They're normal dogs. They should be able to play and go for a normal walk or a small hike and not be struggling to breathe. So really my main goal is just to, to breed a healthy version of a French Bulldog. Um, and then also because I do like uh, doing dog sports, so my dogs tend to be a bit more towards the dogs, dog, dog sport community, <laughs> uh, which is super fun because I think the breed has the potential to be a fun dog sport <laughs> uh, dog because they want to work with their owner. You know, some of them are quite drivey. And sometimes their body's just holding them back. So I want to give them the body to match that personality and temperament so that they can have fun with their owners. Yeah, we. Um, I have been calling that sports light, where you want a sports dog, but you don't want something that's going to make your life miserable. You want a dog that's yes. easy around the house, but actually enjoys the sports and is, exactly. is good at it. Maybe not world team good at it, but good at it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that sounds lovely. So... Um, so have you continued to work with the group in Germany or are you trying to find other people to work with here in the, or are you in the U.S. or are you in Canada? I'm in Canada. Okay. And I really wish there would be more people in North America um, sure. reading with the same goal in mind, just because it would make everything a whole lot easier. Um, I do, I do still have, I'm in good contact with Lucifer's Breda and I do want to get uh, another female from her eventually. But it is hard because 
they are in Europe and, you know, you have to fly there. Or even if I wanted to use um, sperm, it is complicated because you can only import it frozen. And even then, it's a, it's a long distance, so all kinds of things can go wrong. Uh, it would just be much easier if there was more and easier access to good quality dogs in North America. Um, so that's really one of the roadblocks that I'm encountering at the moment is not having access to, you know, many healthy dogs around here. And I look at other breeds, you know, you looked at the golden retrievers and the Labradors and even breeders around here, they have access to all these amazing dogs and they're all here in Nova Scotia. So they don't even have to drive far, which I don't mind a little drive, but I would at least like to have some just in the continent, like on the continent here somewhere, either in the US sure. or Canada. I don't think that should be too much to I ask mean, for. Yeah. Something like that would be nice. Yeah, for sure. So, and I'm just, I'm just curious. I don't know the the answer, but you said that um, your first girl you did get uh, fairly locally, and that it was sort of just chance. Is there, a, is there a way? Do you think to start finding breeders around you who are maybe producing dogs that aren't what they want but are what you want, or is that harder to do? I find it's harder because you also have to um, take into consideration that. A lot of breeders now are breeding off-standard colors and sure. fluffies and all these things, um, which unfortunately, in most cases, they are bred for profit. So they do absolutely zero health testing. Uh, in most cases, they don't even really know their lines or where these dogs came from. Yeah. Often they came from puppy mills or just low quality backyard breeders. So it's not really dogs that I want to start using in my program. Sure. So when you start looking at into you know, people that know their lines and they have good pedigrees, then you're starting to contact confirmation breeders. And <laughs> then all of a sudden you don't have that body structure anymore. And because they're breeding quite extreme dogs, um, I haven't seen a litter or a puppy produced that didn't look like the parents. So if there was, I probably snatched it up. <laughs> but unfortunately, um, no, they, they all look very extreme and and not something that uh, I could ethically breed. It sounds like you got super lucky with your first dog. I did. I really, really did. Yeah. Um, well, so how how has your breeding program been received here? Have people been positive about it? Have they had issues with it? I find people outside of the breed are generally very positive towards my breeding program. They um, understand my reasoning. They support my reasoning because they want to see more um, healthy dogs around. It is mostly other French Bulldog breeders that are not liking what I'm doing. Um, right. And again, it's mainly confirmation breeders because they, in their eyes, I'm breeding against a standard and I'm breeding right. against a standard on purpose. So it goes against all their yeah. beliefs and, and and what they what they're yeah. doing. Yeah, I I get that that it's it is a very different approach to breeding this particular breed. But I think you've laid out a lot of reasons why it's important to to think about these things. Um, well, do you what do you foresee as the future? Do you are you just going to sort of keep plugging away, or do you have any ideas about? how you could start making bigger changes or what, what are your thoughts about the future? I think um, there's, there's two thoughts I have on this. 
Once I am seeing more people wanting a healthy dog and understanding, you know, you need health testings and you need to look at dogs that aren't as extremely brachycephalic looking. So I do get a lot of messages um, of people, even other people that already have Frenchies right now, and they're experiencing all the issues and they're saying, hey, I have this dog, you know, he's having all these issues. We love the breed. We would love to have another one, but we can't support, you know, this, like this type of dog again. So they're looking for an alternative. And I'm seeing more and more of that happening. So it's great to see that it seems like the awareness around it and the education is spreading, which is awesome. Um, I would love to see some changes with the breed club, especially, um, for example, with OFA. And we talked about the spinal issues. You can get spinal scores done on OFA. Um, So you submit x-rays, which are super, super important. Because I know we talked about IVDD, but there's also spinal issues that are just vertebral issues. Um, So hemivertebrae, block vertebrae, all these things, um, which are unrelated to IVDD, but they can work hand in hand a little bit. Um, But the vertebral issues are a big, big problem. I mean... The majority of French Bulldogs have abnormal spines. If you look at OFA, um, they haven't actually released the recent statistics on uh, the spinal scores because I believe the Breed Club said something about it. But the latest one that they did um, make public, I think it was 94%, 94 point something percent um, of French Bulldogs submitted had abnormal spines. So I would love for the Breed Club to uh, work with OFA to make these results public because right now they're not. And uh, I did talk to Dr. Keller from OFA about this and he said, it's the breed club. We can't make it public. And it's just unfortunate because A, you don't see which dog has had the scoring done and B, you don't know what the results were. So what would it look like if it were released? Would it be um, individual dogs and breeders named or would it just be sort of overall anonymized results? I would love it for I would love for it to be part of the regular OFA um, account. So if you look up an, a dog on OFA, you see all the health testing and you see the results. So I'd love to have it even some actually right now the spinal um, database is completely private, so you don't even see if a dog has had the testing done. But I would love for it to be present, so to see that they had it done and also what the results were. So if it said you know spine and then it would say four hemivertebrae. Um, you know, two block vertebrae or spina bifida or something like that. It would just make the results public. Um, I personally would love for the OFA or the breed club to come up with a failing score as well, because right now you can't fail spine. And it's an absolute tragedy because I have seen breeders do spinal uh, testing, which amazing. I love that they're starting to do more testing. But if your dog has eight hemivertebrae, and they're all in a row, you know that spine looks absolutely horrible. Why are you still breeding this dog? Because they didn't fail spine. You know, there's no failing score, but there should be. There really should be a line. You know, the breed club needs to understand, hey, we cannot continue to do this because we can never improve anything if everything is being kept hush-hush. Yeah, I agree really strongly that it's it's very hard to make good breeding decisions in the absence of good data, right? How can you decide who to breed if you don't know what the health of their parents or aunts and uncles were? Exactly. Um, so do you, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, what what um, health testing does the 
French Bulldog Club recommend currently? Nuts fine. Um, so uh, on OFA, I believe for the chic number, to receive a chic number, you need uh, hip dysplasia, so either OFA finals or pen hip. Um, you need, let me just see, hip dysplasia, and then there was, I believe, um, eye certification as well as patella. And trachea is optional, and I believe Owen oh, Hart was another mandatory one. Uh, then there's not a way to... Well, so the BOAS test is recently introduced to the U.S., right? Yes. So they just so very that's... recently introduced that. I believe there was one in uh, held in Ontario as well. Um, unfortunately, it is the same with um, other failing OFA results. So you can, if your dog fails, you can opt out to make it public. So unfortunately, you, if your dog, like I said, if your dog fails, um, you can just keep it quiet. It doesn't need to be posted on OFA, which again, I just wish all the health testing was posted there because if your dog fails, this is something we need to know. I know it's, you know, it's not something you wanted or maybe you're embarrassed by it, but these are the important, crucial information we need. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, the the culture needs to change, and it's it's hard to change culture right now. I totally get that if somebody admits that their dog failed a test, there's you know people are not nice about it. And I I keep saying, but I I can't force people to change. <laughs> I keep saying if someone is public about some health problem that their breeding dog has, you know, good for them for telling everybody so that we can all make sure to do the right thing. Exactly. But um. But when there's other people around saying, oh, you know, you, you know, I can't believe you bred this dog. Um, it's really hard. Well, what other, are there other tests? I'm, I'm guessing, so you, I mean, you've explicitly said you'd love for the breed club to add spinal testing. And that would, that would be CT. Would a physical exam also um, help with that? It's actually an x-ray. So they need oh, okay. a dorsal and a lateral view of the spine. Okay, and excellent. So yeah, that's so much more doable. Amazing. I mean, I already do that on all my puppies. I do a prelim at eight weeks when they go in for their vaccination and their microchips. I do a prelim x-ray, a lateral view of each puppy. And it's amazingly accurate because vertebral... Is it? I mean, vertebrae, they, they're born with it. It's congenital. So you can already tell where there's going to be yeah. vertebral changes. So it's important for me as a breeder because obviously I want to keep a dog back that has a normal clear spine which luckily, knock on wood, most of my dogs do. And then it's also important for the new owner because if there is one or two or something that I'm seeing, I would let them know. You know, I would be transparent and say, hey, um, or if they wanted to do dog sports, I would probably match them with another dog that has a clear spine just so that the impact won't affect that. I'm just imagining getting a wriggly little puppy onto the Honestly, x-ray they table. Do their it's adorable. Magic. I don't know how they do it, but neither one has ever needed sedation, so somehow nice. they always manage back there. I just I can imagine the the vet techs simultaneously being like, "This is going to be the best day ever," and also being then ten minutes later being like, "It won't hold still." So they usually wait. So it's funny because we always do uh, the whole exam first, so each of them gets their health check and their their microchip and vaccination. And then sometimes it's been an hour, so often at the end they get a bit sleepy, and then ah, we take nice. them out back to to do the X-rays. Perfect, perfect. So all right. So then, what other tests would you? recommend that the breed club add if any maybe it's just 
I am hoping, the passing so now ones? that we have the respiratory function uh, scheme, I would love for that to be, be become mandatory as well. Um, and it is right now, I believe it's a three-minute walk, which again, like, you know, any dog should be able to walk three minutes. Can we maybe yeah. make a trot or light jog out of it or, you know, change it to five minutes? Um, and then the other temperature is really important too. I actually saw a post um, on some confirmation or dog show um, page and it was, there was somebody complaining that the, uh, the club was hold, uh, was holding the the breeding or uh, the uh, grading scheme, but they were gonna hold it outside uh, in the early mornings. But it was going to be outside. So some people were complaining. Well, it's supposed to be temperature controlled, and you know if this is gonna skew my dog's uh, results. And I was thinking it is an early morning, like October day. Your dog should really be able to walk three minutes around the ring. So I think we really need to change that whole approach a bit as well. Yeah, that's a very low bar for sure. When I was learning about that test, I was thinking three minutes is, yeah. it'll definitely tell you the dogs that have real trouble, but it may not, it may not catch all the ones that have mild trouble, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, which is in, when we're talking about a breed where so many of them have a problem, you may need to be breeding dogs. You know, you may not be looking for dogs with no problem. You may be looking for dogs with a milder problem and breeding that way. But it's if we can't even identify those. Exactly. It's tough. Well, and do you think that it's time for the breed club to look at modifying the standard? They actually recently have. Now, I don't think it's uh, come into effect yet, but I did see that the CKC recently sent out an email about some changes. And uh, the French Bulldog breed standard did change a little bit. Um, they went from extremely short back to short back and extremely short nose to short nose, which is a bit of an improvement. It did also, and it, I believe that it or, always has, but it does specify that the nostrils should also be open. Sure. So uh, technically, if a dog has severely stenotic nares, you know, we shouldn't be rewarding that in the show ring. Um, so I do hope that over the next year or two, um, judges will pay more attention to that as well. And, you know, we, do, we don't want to have that teeny tiny short back because you got to think a dog has, every dog has the same amount of vertebrae. So if we have an like super short, compact dog, you got to ask yourself, like, where do all these vertebrae go? They all get squished in there. And that's when we start seeing all these spinal abnormalities. And for people who don't know what, uh, uh, Lisa mentioned hemivertebrae, which means basically a partial vertebra. So that, you know, could, exactly could be one of the things that happens when if you don't have room for all of them, you can have room for just parts of them. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's the, the judge thing is the other, you know, I've, definitely heard people discussing how you know the the what the breed standard says is one thing but how do you interpret you know very short nose or short nose very short back or short back i mean short back is still open to interpretation and so a lot of that Absolutely. is up to the judges and what they re reward and it's hard to know how to change that culture as well absolutely yes all right. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked about that I should have asked about? Anything else you that I, that came to mind that you were would like to say? I believe we've talked about everything that was on my mind earlier. So, 
Um, actually, I haven't really asked about the size of your program. So you've mentioned your foundation bitch and Lucifer. Um, do you, how are you, and then your struggle to find more breeding stock. And obviously you don't want to just keep breeding the same two. Yes. So over and over. Uh -huh. And I mean, the biggest issue right now is I kept two, so Clover and Femico, my two girls who are, um, they've passed all the health testing and, and they're ready to be bred. Um, obviously I can't breed them to Lucifer because Lucifer is their dad. Um, so this is the, this is where I'm running into issues. I was fortunate enough to find one, yes, one stud that I liked. He had all the health testing. Uh, he actually has a lot of sport titles. He's an agility grand champion, super yeah. amazing dog. So I found Fabulous. this one dog. But again, I mean, I cannot have just one other dog. Um, I did recently import two other dogs, uh, other Frenchies from Europe, and they're living with my friend right now. And I'm hoping that they will develop into nice dogs and we'll health test them and, and hopefully they'll be able to uh, introduce another line to my program. Yeah, it does sound like the importation from Europe may be surprisingly the easiest for you, although I hear that it's what you're saying about it being expensive and really exhausting. Um, it's really, that's nice that you have friends that's so that you can start um, holding back dogs and bringing in dogs and not have to have 20 dogs in your house. So Exactly. Yeah. I always told myself I'm never going to have too many dogs because I, I want to be able to um, see and treat each dog as individual. And because I do like dog sports, I want to be able to go to classes, you know, do training sessions. And I'm by myself, so I, you know, I can't do that with 10 dogs every day. So I have the four right now. I had five last year. Five is still okay, but that's my max at the moment. <laughs> and I also like to keep them also. I know some breeders, once they retire their dogs, they rehome them. Yes. But I personally could never. So like, you know, Maple, she's done. She's old. You know, she's spayed, but she still lives here. And I'm going to do the same with the other dogs too. So that it does limit. It does limit it the dogs. It does slow you down a bit. I'm just, I'm laughing about five. So I have three currently. And my husband has laid down the law. He's like, we are not having three again. <laughs> when we lose one of these, you're not, you know, you're not replacing it until, you know, no more than two in the future. Five is, I'm impressed that you can manage five. Um. All right. Well, if someone wants to learn more about your program um, and, you know, maybe even be someone in the area who was one of your guardian homes, where uh, where would they go to learn more about you? So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's Off Autumn French Bulldogs. I will say I'm much more active on Facebook. So that's usually the go-to way to contact me. Um, if you do send me a message and I don't reply right away, feel free to send me another message. I do get a lot of them and sometimes they just, the older ones fall to the to the lower end of the page. So um, feel free to nudge me. I do also have a website. Um, so it's www.offautumncanine.com. I have always been curious why you chose the name of Autumn. What does that mean? It just happened to, I don't know. I think when I first got Maple, um, her name is Maple Leaf. So, mm. you know, Canadian, I moved to Canada. Sure. And I think Maple Leaf and then this off Autumn just kind of happened and, and grew out of that. I wondered if it was because of Maple's name. That's nice. It is, yeah. Uh, we have a lot of Maples here in New Hampshire and they are gorgeous in the autumn time. Exactly, so. yeah. Well, I I love everything you've been talking about. So how can people help if someone was excited about seeing 
what you're working on, get bigger and be more available to more people? How could they help? What are you looking for? I'd love to collaborate with people who are like-minded. So um, those who might be interested in being part of this movement of healthy French Bulldogs. Um, so whether that's just people who are interested in learning more about it, or perhaps somebody has a really healthy, sporty French Bulldog, um, I'd love to learn about them. So even if they're not breeding dogs, if you have a healthy, sporty Frenchie, please reach out to me. Uh, like I said, I'd, I'm always looking for information about lineage and pedigree and where these dogs come from. So yeah, I always welcome any kind of messages. Fabulous. Perfect. And would Facebook be the best place to do that? Yeah, Facebook would be great. Okay. Excellent. So everybody, that is that is what you should do. And if you you know, if you know someone who sounds like they fit the bill, who maybe hasn't listened to this podcast episode, maybe you could point them this way or point them directly at Lisa. Thank you so much for telling us all of this and the best of luck with your program. Thank you so I much. I know it's hard going. Thank you. All right. So now we have some Patreon questions for Lisa. I did not manage to ask her these questions during our actual interview but I did send them to her afterwards, and she emailed me her responses, and I'm going to read those to you. So the first question is about the possibility of reducing the risk of intervertebral disc disease in a breed of most of the dogs carry the gene variant CDDY, which is known to increase the risk of IBDD, and whether she's had success in selecting against it. So she did talk about this a bit in the interview, but I asked her to go into some more details. So what she says is, the correlation between CDDY and IVDD has not fully been proven. In fact, some laboratories have since added for research only to their CDDY test and results. Yes, it is true that the vast majority of the Frenchie population carries at least one copy of the gene, but this also means that there are Frenchies living long lives without ever herniating a disc besides having copies of CDDY. There have also been cases of disc herniation in Frenchies testing negative for CDDY. I believe much more research is needed in the matter before making breeding decisions based on CDDY test results. It has only been a couple years since the markers were found and a test developed, so I'm hopeful more will come to light in the near future. I personally believe a major contributor to disc herniation are vertebral abnormalities. Abnormal vertebrae, especially when they are consecutive, such as T7, T8, T9, put an abnormal amount of pressure on certain discs, thus increasing the risk of herniation. In my opinion, the high rate of spinal abnormalities in the breed goes hand-in-hand hand with the rate of disc herniation. I'm keeping track of health history of each of my puppies, and I'm very happy to report I haven't had any IVDD cases. So that's the end of Lisa's answer to that question. The second question is about whether Lisa's dogs can reliably mate and whelp without assistance. It's something that is known to be a problem in the breed. Lisa answers, to me, part of a functional dog is the ability to reproduce naturally. Therefore, I do natural matings unless the distance to the stud is too far to travel. All litters have been whelped naturally. I am right next to the whelping box and will assist if needed. For example, free puppy from sack, dry off, help with cords. Strong mother instincts are present in all my females, so little help is required. The third question for Lisa is asking about whether she has a method for tracking her results and the health of her puppies. And I just wanted to note on the side, this is something that a lot of readers are really interested in doing a better job of, but there's not a really great solution that's widely accepted. So this is Lisa's answer. Lisa says, 
So far, I have been keeping track of my own puppies with a spreadsheet and Google Documents. With the exception of two, I am in contact with all my puppy owners and therefore know how each dog is doing. I have sent out questionnaires before and intend, and intend to do so annually to assure no changes have occurred in the dog that the owner may not have told me about in the moment. I do spinal prelims at eight weeks and encourage OFA testing at a later date, which a few owners have followed through, even though their dogs are pet only and not for breeding. I'm considering offering a financial incentive to motivate puppy families to go through some OFA testing. I'd love to have a database to put said results or even just a more generic database that keeps track of dogs in the breed, their health testing, and more importantly, their health issues, age of death, and cause of death. This would be incredibly interesting and informative as certain data keeping, for example, of the Finnish Kennel Club, are suggesting the average age span of a French bulldog is four to six years, which is alarming. So that's the end of Lisa's answers there. Um, as many of you know, I feel very strongly about the importance of databases as well. Um, and again, a reminder, if you want to be able to ask questions of my guests and um, have the answers in the podcast, get on Patreon uh, It's the uh, for Functional Breeding or the Functional Dog Collaborative, and um, and you will get a chance to ask questions. I'll let you know ahead of time who's coming on. You can ask the questions and we'll, we'll get them in the podcast. Hey, friends. Some of you have asked how to support the podcast, so we've set up a Patreon page for it. For a small monthly pledge, you help us pay for producing this podcast, and in exchange, you get a chance to suggest questions for podcast guests, and you get early access to podcast episodes. To find out more, go to patreon.com slash functionalbreeding. You could also help promote the podcast through subscribing to it through the podcast app of your choice and by leaving favorable reviews. If you're interested in supporting the Functional Dog Collaborative more generally, or finding ways to get involved, go to the functionalbreeding.org website and click the support link. Thanks to everyone who has helped out. We could not do this without you. Thanks so much for listening. The Functional Breeding Podcast is a product of the Functional Dog Collaborative and was produced by Attila Martin. Come join us at the Functional Breeding Facebook group to talk about this episode or about responsible breeding practices in general. To learn more about the FDC, check out the functionalbreeding.org website. Enjoy your dogs.